أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد بارك الله فيكم ما شاء الله it's a great honor and privilege to be able to address the MSA West I myself as was mentioned in the uh, lovely bio a student at the University of Washington at one time. And believe it or not, mashallah, those were very different times. Uh, those were times where, believe it or not, even though you think this guy, he looks weird, he dresses differently, he talks differently, that's the way things used to be at that time. The culture in America uh, of Muslims was a little bit different at that time. Being in MSA at the time of 9-11 was very jarring. Why? Because it seemed like the Muslim community in America like retreated all of a sudden. I don't know if you guys remember that time or how well you remember that time. But when 9-11 happened, there were literally people in, 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 in this country stopped going to the masjid for a year, stopped going to the masjid for two years. There are women who took off their hijabs, there are men who shaved their beards. There are people who, there are actually massages that were closed for several weeks and they didn't open up again. And uh, it was a time where people were kind of waking up from a type of slumber that they were in, both in terms of the general population of this country with their feeling of isolation from the world and also the Muslim community in this country where they had to try to find out what their place was uh, uh, as Muslims and as Americans. What I can tell you is this, people took divergent paths. There are many people who were in MSA West at that time. Now this is what, number eight or number nine, the conference? 21, Ajib. So I remember like one and two. I, re I remember one and two. And one of, the hallmarks of the, uh, one of the hallmarks of MSA in general, and MSA West in specific, was what? Was that there was a spirit amongst the students that we are going to do what's right, we are going to do what we think is best, we are going to express ourselves not as an expression of what we think other people think we should be or how they think we should be. Rather, it's going to come organically from inside and it's going to project outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a, 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 a concern with style and there's a concern with substance. And I'm not going to tell you that the concern with style is not important. It's important. It's a sunnah, in fact. That whatever you do and whoever you go to, when you want to bring the word of truth to them, and when you want to suggest something that's better, there's a way of doing so. And that way is embodied by the idea of hikmah, by the idea of wisdom, that you should not become a people repellent. You should not go and present what is true and what is pure in a way that alienates people, in a way that turns people off, in a way that is obnoxious, in a way that, that's condescending, in a way that, that, that you know, makes you look down on them. However, the, the, the issue that I've seen the community in general, and in, in, in the MSA as well, as being a subset of that community, the issue that, that we're still trying to negotiate is finding what does it mean for us to be a Muslim, especially with regards to where we're going to fit on this, style versus substance scale. Because the issue is this, is that you can become so focused on your style that you neglect your substance. You neglect who you are, what you are, what the point of any of this is. You become so preoccupied with what are people going to think about me and what are people even going to think about Islam that, that you know, we forget ourselves sometimes to let that Islam inside of us. 
And those identity politics are very powerful. There are a lot of people, especially with the idea of being a minority, especially with the idea of being a minority, there are a lot of people who define themselves through a siege mentality, and at some point, they become so empty inside because they never bothered working on themselves that when they get to that very scary realization that I don't even know what it means to be a Muslim. I don't even know what it means to pray. Right? The salat where a person faces the qibla and says, Allahu Akbar. We have to be honest with ourselves. How many of us are getting madad from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How many of us are getting help and our, lights, our hearts are being enlightened in that prayer? And how many of us are wiping our face on the floor two, three, four times and then running? As if the salam is like a commuting of some sort of sentence that you want to get out of it and you're tortured inside. This is one example of the many things we have to ask ourselves in order to uh, uh, you know, just keep it real with regards to the question of have we been spending too much time with substance and have we not been uh, uh, with, with style and not been spending enough time with substance. And I'll tell you this, that my study of the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, the lives of the companions عنهم, and the lives of any, every generation that upheld, what, that upheld the standard of deen and the standard of spirituality, the standard of justice, the standard of ihsan, which is a, 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 a level higher than justice. The standard of ihsan, that a person should do things in a beautiful way. That a person should strive toward beauty, strive toward perfection, strive toward being better than they were yesterday. Those people were strange and weird people and they didn't care. Do you understand what I mean? There's a difference between trying to be weird. There's a difference between not caring what other people feel in a, in, in a, in a way of callousness. That's one thing. And there's a difference between that and there's a difference between something else on the other side, which is I'm going to try my best in order to speak in the most beautiful way, in order to give from whatever I have to those around me, in order to accommodate and show uh, 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 concern and show uh, uh, an appropriate amount of softness for another person's humanity. But once that's done, once that accommodation has been made to every reasonable Degree. At that time, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to give up my Islam just to make another person happy. This is a very, it's a very important nuance that I think is missing with a lot of people in terms of how they view what their Islam is with, with, with regards to other people, whether they be people of other faiths or other Muslims as well. Because oftentimes we get the most opposition with regards to our Islam from other Muslims. Why? This is a very simple precept in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala mentions with regards to the mushrikeen of Quraysh, how they dealt with the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, They feel bad. They wish that you were a time waster, so it wouldn't make them feel bad about being a time waster. They wish that you were, you were uh, flaky and you were, you were superficial and you were materialistic, so it wouldn't make them feel bad about being all of those things at the same time. This is a real powerful motivator. We see it in our, I mean, mashallah, some of you are very saintly individuals. I see it in my own life. Sometimes I resent a person for being better than me. And then I think and reflect, why, why does this person annoy me? And the reason is what? Is because, because when, I see it, when I see that person, when I look into the, 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 the person, right? Al-mu'minu mir'atul mu'min. Hadith of the Prophet wasallam that the, the believer is a mirror of a believer. So when you look at your brother, when you look at your sister and you see something you like or you see something that you don't like, oftentimes, what is it? You're seeing that same thing that's in yourself. That oftentimes when you look at your uh, brother, you look at your sister and you see that there's some deficiency. 
and uh, you see some annoyance, what is it? It's because that deficiency is your own that's being uh, reflected back at you. And again, we should give riaya for that. We should give some sort of uh, uh, adjustment, knowing that other people are human beings and they're going to go through this phase and be soft with them in order to allow them to, uh, uh, in order to allow them to get over that and reflect and understand where that's coming from. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how much uh, uh, compromise you make with people, no matter how good your akhlaq are, no matter how uh, soft you are with other people, in certain situations, you can, you can bend over backwards, people are not going to accept it. And at that point, what can you do? This is the point where we have to part ways. This happens. Is there anybody who had better akhlaq than the Messenger of Allah wasallam? Is there anyone who had better, who's kinder, softer, more patient, more indulgent than the Messenger of Allah wasallam? No. This is the, 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 the benchmark against whom all other, all other people, all of the rest of creation is going to be judged. So if there are people who didn't accept the deen or didn't accept what was, what was right from him wasallam. That means you and me, we're not going to be able to stand for something better. We're not going to be able to stand for the haq, except for Allah Ta'ala. It is a system that He has placed in His creation with which there is no negotiation, in which it is a choice that He has made that is immutable, it cannot be changed, that you will find some opposition, you will find some resistance. This is what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, meant in the hadith, which was referenced in the introduction to this section. Bada al Islamu gharibam. Islam started as something strange and it will become something strange again. Right? The, 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 the Khilafah Rashida is done. It's finished. Right? The, 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 the caliphates of, of Baghdad and of Damascus uh, and of Qurtuba, they're, they're done. They're finished. The Ottoman Empire is gone. The Mughal Empire is gone. The, 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 the caliphate of the Sheikh Usman Dan Fodio, it's gone. They're done. What are we at right now? We're at the point that the only place where you get treated worse for being an observant Muslim uh, than the uh, countries in which the Muslims are minorities, oftentimes, sadly enough, is the countries in which Muslims are majorities. This is a stark fact. And it's easy for a person to get bitter about it. So all these people are horrible. All these people don't care. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're this, they're that, they're the other thing. It's easy to get upset about it. It's easy to get upset and it's easy to curse other people out. Think about the one sallallahu alayhi wasallam through whose tears those people entered into the deen and it will temper your uh, inside internal anger and your internal angst and your internal uh, uh, rage in order, in order to kick those people out, in order to write them off. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's easy to see people and write them off. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu was literally on his way to assassinate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he became Muslim. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to make dua to Allah ta'ala Oh Allah, one of the two Umars, make them, give them, give them hidayah, at least one of the two of them. Who was the other one? Amr bin Hisham, Al-Mulaqab bi Abi Jahl, or Al-Mukanna bi Abi Jahl, the one who was known as uh, Abu Jahl. The two of them were, the two of them were tight. That was Abu Jahl's like favorite nephew. He was his protege. He was, I mean, the two of them, the two of them were, were, were on the same page. They literally were on the same page to the very hour that he uh, took shahada and became Islam, and became a Muslim. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa still, he, despite, despite what, accepting his difference, accepting his strangeness, accepting that he was different from other people, he counterbalanced that with what? With not giving up hope in people. These are very different, these are very difficult things to do. Each of them is a burden that could break a person's back. And Allah ta'ala 
wishes for us and is pleased for us to carry both of them. And Allah Ta'ala, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وَسْعَاهَا Allah Ta'ala doesn't burden us a soul more than it can bear. He wouldn't want us to bear this burden if it wasn't possible that we were able to bear it. And so this has to do with what? فَطُوبَ لِلْغُرَبَاء Glad tidings to the stranger, the person who carries his gham with them, the person who carries his heartbrokenness with them inside of their heart. While other people are worrying about cars, while other people are worrying about money, while other people are worrying about what clothes they're going to wear and what food they're going to eat and how they're going to post it on their Instagram account and on their Twitter and on their Facebook and Snapchat. Wallahu alam, all the other stuff that's happening. Masha, I've become a dinosaur now. I'm an old guy now. I'm no longer cool. I'm a guy. In fact, you know, any of you who know me from back then knew that I wasn't even cool back then, mashallah. <laughs> really, I wasn't, I wasn't, I remember like, the <laughs> mashallah, we have our uh, Zaytuna guys here. Right? I, wasn't, I wasn't cool, all the kids who went to, who could afford to go to the Rihla, like they wouldn't talk to me, you know. And then, mashallah, somehow like through my poverty and through my uh, estrangeness, I kept going to all of these different places. We studied, we didn't study like, you know, we didn't, when we studied, we studied on like woven straw mats and like, in the desert and weird insects are getting up on you and weird like animals, no electricity, none of that stuff. I just kept going down this path until one day instead of going to the Rihla as a student, I was invited as a teacher. This is the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yu'tihi man yasha'a. glad tidings to the strangers. If you want to know, then how are you going to be able to maintain that? Because this is one of those things nobody's going to want to do. Nobody in their right mind. There's some majaneen for the sake of Allah. There's some crazy people for the sake of Allah ta'ala. Yeah, they're already, you know, the Rasul Sallallahu said, I'm going to do it. And it's done. The deal has been sealed. The rest of the talk is a waste of your time. But a majority of people, you know, the, the, the aql, the, 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 the intellect has a place as well. The person's like, I don't know if I want to do this. It sounds like, okay, you know, there's some benefit in it at the end. I don't know if I want to go through all of that. That sounds really difficult. That sounds really harrowing. If you, if you have this uh, thought in your mind, it's because Allah Ta'ala gave you some hikmah, some wisdom. You know, there's a surah, surah, surah Luqman in the Quran. Who is Luqman? Luqman was an Abyssinian slave. He was, he was an African slave that was owned by one of, the, one of the rich, wealthy people of Banu Israel. And so they found he was a very pious man. And so he used to like to pray and make dhikr and things like that. So they would give him some time off. He'd go study, read the Torah and, you know, st- study and whatever. And he became the most learned man of Banu Israel. Allah Ta'ala loved him so much that he sent the angel Jibreel to him one day. You can look in the books of Tafsir. He sent the angel Jibreel to him one day and said, Allah Ta'ala loves you so much that he offers you, if you wish to, he'll give you nabuwa, he'll make you a prophet. He'll what? He'll give you nubuah and he'll make you a prophet. So Sayyidina Luqman, alayhi salam, he asked the angel Jibreel, he says, is this a command or is this a choice? He said, it's a choice. Allah Ta'ala offered it to you. He said that I've seen that the burden of this, this, this responsibility is so much, I don't know if I can bear it. So if Allah Ta'ala is not displeased with me, then, I, then I'll pass. Then I'll what? Then I'll pass. This is, a type of, this is a type of wisdom I think a lot of people lack nowadays because the, the, you know, we live in, we live in the, the, the society which is like a successor of Rome. So like, anyone here read Julius Caesar when you're in high school or otherwise, right? What was, what, was, what was it? Anyone? No sisters read Julius Caesar? No? Brutus, Casca, remember all those guys? Okay. What, was, what was the thing that killed Caesar? It was his ambition. His ambition was completely unchecked. We consider that a value. We celebrate people with unchecked and unbridled ambition. So Sayyidina Luqman he's like, no, no thank you. And so Sayyidina Jibreel came back to him. He says that Allah Ta'ala saw the decision that you made 
And it's, he didn't chastise him. He said, Allah Ta'ala saw the decision you make and he's pleased with you. He's pleased with the wisdom with which you made this decision. And he has gifted you out of happiness and increase in wisdom. That's why he's known as Luqman al-Hakim. And then he took the same Nabuwa, the same prophethood to Dawud Dawud accepted it. Later on, he found out what happened. He said, Allah Ta'ala, forgive this Luqman. He knew something I didn't know. If I had known then what I know now, I also would have declined it as well. So if this is your mindset, you're like, you know what, this whole stranger uh, business sounds wonderful for like more pious people, more you know, people who have chronic cases of pietitis. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that right now. Because how am I going to be able to do it? How am I going to be able to do it? The way you're going to be able to do it is through what? Through the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it's a hadith narrated by the mustadrak, by Hakim in his mustadrak and by Imam uh, Ahmed bin Hanbal in his, uh, uh, in his musnad uh, by Bayhaqi. Uh, and it's a sahih hadith narrated by Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَكْثِرُوا ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ حَتَّى يَقُولُوا مَجْنُونَ أَكْثِرُوا ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ حَتَّى يَقُولُوا Majnoon. Make so much remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make so much remembrance of Allah ta'ala until the people say what? He's crazy. He's crazy. And who's the first person who did that? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They, what did they say? Sha'ilun o majnoon. They said this person, he must be a poet. He's just like speaking fancy words. Or he must be completely out of his mind. He must be completely out of his mind. But what's the secret in there? The secret in there is what? It's not that wanting people to think that you're crazy in and of itself is an objective of the deen. Far from it. In fact, try not to, try to conceal this kefiyah, this state of yours, if you ever should reach it. Try to conceal the state of yours from other people. Don't burden other people with it. Rasulullah he was taliqul wajh, and at the same time is mutawasil al-ahzan. Rasulullah he was the one, mutawasil means what? That one grief wouldn't leave him except for another one came to him. Some relative would die, one of his companions would die, he would be injured somehow, some injustice would, ha- injustice would happen, they would lose something, they would lose a battle, something would happen. He was al-ahzan. One grief wouldn't let go of him except for another grief would come over him. But at the same time, he's the one who, it's his sunnah, do what? When, that, that even a smile is charity. That when you meet your brother, when you meet your sister, you should meet them smiling. What does it mean to do both of those at the same time? So what does this, this hadith mean? That make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala so much until what? Until the people think that you are, you're majnoon, you're out of your mind. The secret in it is what? The secret in it has to do with the, with the, the, the power that's there in the mention of the name of Allah Ta'ala. The power that's there in the taking of the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says what? Allah Ta'ala says in his book, he says, وَذْكُرِ I'm not a hafiz, mashallah, so I just know short surahs, so I quote the like, ayahs from the short surahs, mashallah. Yeah, some hafaz over here, jazakumullah khairan, hafizuna wa hafizat, mashallah. وَذْكُرِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا يعني إِنْقَطَعْ إِلَيْهِ إِنْقِطَاعًا ذَكَرَ يَذْكُرُوا in Arabic, it can mean to remember something or it can mean to mention something. Here it doesn't mean remember. Have you ever come across a person who said, what's the name of the God we worship again? I forgot his name. <laughs> Maybe, okay, one of the Asma al-Husna, somebody forget. Nobody forgets the name Allah. Muslim, Kafir, nobody forgets the name of Allah. Nobody. Allah Ta'ala commands, 
Take the name of your Lord. Here, dhakara means what? To say it. To say it. Take the name of your Lord and cut off from everything else completely. وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا It's مَفْعُولْ مُطْلَقْ Right? تَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ Cut off from everything. Shut the lights off. Turn, make everything quiet. Shut your phone off. Stop talking to people. Stop looking at people. Stop thinking about people. وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا That dhikr of Allah Ta'ala that a person does. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, He says, وَذْكُرِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ تَذَرُّعًا وَخِيفَةً وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ بِالْغَدُوِّ وَالْآصَالِ وَلَا تَكُونُ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ وَلَا تَكُونُ وَلَا تَكُونُ وَلَا تَكُونُ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ وَلَا تَكُونُ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ that mention, take the mention and take the remembrance of your Lord inside of... I told you I was in a hafiz, right? Take the mention of, of your Lord inside of your, your nafs, inside of your very being. Tadarru'an waqifatan In complete humility and in fear. Tadarru'an waqifatan wadun al-jahri min al-qawl This is fear, this is a God-fearing people, like they're God-conscious, right? Because... People, people like, we have like a cult of positivity we live in, right? People are like, don't be negative. Wait, don't be negative all the time. That's bad. Some negativity is actually positive. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Even the Jahannam, Jahannam itself is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it wasn't there, who would wake up for Fajr? I mean, you laugh about it, but it's true. If Jahannam wasn't there, who would know Allah ta'ala? We would live and die like animals. It would be a complete waste. Fear itself is a great motivator for khayr. But at any rate, تَضَرُّعًا وَخِيفَةً In humility and in fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ In a way that is so subtle. In a way that is so subtle that it is even more subtle than saying something. Because what's more subtle than doing something is saying something. What's more subtle than even saying the word? Right? If your tongue says, Allah, Allah, that's one thing. That's also, there's great fadila, there's great virtue in it as well. Allah Ta'ala says, Rasulullah That Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that I am the companion of the one who remembers me. I'm the companion of the one who's re- who remembers me. It's also narrated by Ka'b al-Ahbar that Sayyidina Musa salam also asked Allah Ta'ala, Abba'idun anka anta fa'unadika uqaribun anta fa'unajika. Ya Allah, are you far away that I should call out to you in the mountainside? Or are you close that I should whisper to, whisper to you? And Allah Ta'ala said to Sayyidina Musa salam, What? Ana jalisu man dhakarani. I am the companion of the one who remembers me. I'm the companion of the one who remembers me. And Rasulullah narrates this hadith Qudsi because it's from the teachings of Nubu'ah. Don't be afraid uh, if there's some teaching from the previous Umam that is repeated in, in, in the hadith of the Prophet or in the Quran. They all come from the same source. He said, I am the companion of the one who remembers me. And I am with my slave as long as his two lips move with my remembrance. But this is the moving of the lips and the tongue. What are we saying? Even something more subtle than that. How do you get to the more subtle level? The person who says Allah, Allah, again and again in their day. The person who says La ilaha illallah again in the day. The person who's walking from class to class reciting Quran. That person, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is there on their tongue. If they focus on it with their heart, they'll get it. 
A person will focus so much, a person will focus so much on the divine name in every single breath to the point where even when the, when the, when the tongue stops, the vicar keeps going. This is a very powerful, this is a very powerful uh, lesson for the person who wants to take heed, <coughs> which is we live in a very materialistic society. So in a materialistic society, what will the hierarchy be? What's an action of the hand is more, more important than the, the speech on the tongue. <coughs> and what's the speech on the tongue is more important than, the, than the, uh, the, the state that's inside of the heart. But the logic of iman and the logic of faith te- teaches a person that the person who carries this state around in their heart with them wherever they go, that person has a superior, a superior station with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the person who the dhikr is merely on their tongue. You understand what I'm saying? So what's the munasabah, what's the connection between these two? <coughs> that a person should make the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala so much that the people say that that person is majnoon is you will not be able to carry this burden. You will not be able to carry this burden until what? Until you have the power that comes with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And the person says, okay, this guy is going to what, tell me some stories about the sahaba now or some stories about whatever. Salahuddin, you'll be vanquishing the crusaders from the uh, Masjid al-Aqsa or something like that. No, we're, <laughs> we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So I'll give you a story that all of us can relate to in terms of lack of piety. Right? What's the least lowest common denominator? Who's a person that every one of us could say, at least I'm more pious than, than that person? Who? Donald Trump, keep, keep going. Keep going. Iblis, Jazakallah khairan, mashallah. Right? Turn off the lights. Which of you is, feels sometimes as evil or more evil than Iblis? <laughs> Turn off your lights. Anyone? There, I see one light in the back. I see one light. We have a remedial aqidah class for you. I give you glad tidings. You're not as evil as, as it is. Most of the time. It averages out. The average is not as evil as it is. Alhamdulillah. Right? There's literally, there's a hadith of Tirmidhi. In which, say, uh, where it's a hadith narrated by uh, Imam Tirmidhi. In which Sayyidina Jibreel came to the Prophet وسلم, and addressed him by name. He said, Ya Muhammad. Lora Aitani. He said, O Muhammad alayka salatu wassalam. If you're, able to, if you're able to see me on the day that Banu Israel crossed into the Red Sea. If you're able to see me on the day Banu Israel crossed into the Red Sea. He said that once, once the uh, uh, Banu Israel went into the ocean, Fir'aun is not an idiot. He sees the sea parting in front of him. Right? That, that, the, uh, uh, that there's a, a dry path in the middle of the sea and there's two sides of the, 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 the sea that are being supernaturally held back. And so uh, Jibreel السلام, came to Fir'aun in the form of his general. And he says to him, he says to him, are, are we going to uh, go in after them? He said, are you crazy? You're out of your mind. Do you see what's happening right now? You think I'm stupid? I'm going to go in after them? And he's arguing with him back and forth. No, you can't let them get away with this. We've got to get them right now. This, that, and the other thing. He's, he's trying to convince him and he's just not buying any of it. So Sayyidina Jibreel told the Prophet he said, at that time, I took my stick out and I hit his horse so hard that it, it took off galloping into the, into the sea. And then his armies followed in after him. And once the last of the Banu Israel was out on the other side and the last of the army of Fir'aun was into the sea, then the hukum of Allah Ta'ala came down and the two sides of the sea crashed down on them. 
Even then, I was filling my filling the, the mouth of Fir'aun, filling the mouth of Fir'aun with water. Again and again and again, every time he would gasp and try to take a breath, I was filling his mouth with water out of fear that he would take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this punishment, which I knew in my heart was already a fixed commandment, destiny that was fated to him by Allah ta'ala, that he would take the name of Allah ta'ala and because of that, it would protect him from his fate and his destiny in the hellfire. Now tell me something. Now that at least most of us have accepted that we're not as evil as, as Fir'aun and not as evil as Shaitan and not as evil as these kind of like all-time uh, villain characters of, of, the, of, like, of the Qur'an. That what's the impediment of you taking that divine name? That if it would have Jibreel salam, no less to say the Malaika, the, 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 the paragon of the angels, if Jibreel salam, feared that Fir'aun in the middle of his adab is going to be protected by the the qadr mubran, the, the fixed and immutable fate Allah Ta'ala had written for him in the hellfire because of taking the name of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. What, what impediment do you have and do I have? Is Sayyidina Jibreel filling our mouths with water right now that we're not able to say it? Rasulullah Sallallahu himself said, جَدِّدُوا إِمَانِكُمْ بِقَوْلِكُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Renew in every moment your iman, your faith, with your saying, your utterance of La ilaha illallah. It's okay, you can say it. If you think it's bid'ah, you don't have to say it out loud, right? You say it to yourself, whatever you're, whatever you're, you're feeling with regards to it. There's nobody who's in their right mind who's going to say that this is not something of benefit, but it's something we don't practice. In fact, one of the things I'll say that I remember from MSA, back when I was in MSA, and working with MSAs from that time until this time, is that there's oftentimes a rift between two groups of people in the MSA. Those who want to be really activisty and those who want to be real spiritually. It's true. And I don't remember that rift from my MSA. And I don't remember that rift from the Sunnah of the Prophet And I don't remember that rift from any of the Mashaykh that I, I sat with. Our Mashaykh, let me tell you something, the Mashaykh I read from, you can go onto the SoundCloud if you want to, I have a SoundCloud account, right? You can go on and listen to the, the Bayanat about Yusuf ibn Tashikin. Okay, if that's too far away from you. I have Mashaykh, I, I, I studied in the, uh, in the Jamia Madaniya, it was named after Sayyid Hussein Ahmed Madani. He taught the, 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 the hadith of Rasulullah for 16 years in the masjid of the Prophet in Medina Munawwara during Ottoman times. And he actually participated in a rebellion and a conspiracy to have the Ottoman army attack the British and unseat them from, from the, the, the Indian subcontinent. And he was actually sold out and turned over by Muslims, him and his sheikh, because of their participation in this conspiracy, ended up spending four years in solitary confinement on the crusader prison island of Malta. Malta is where they used to send prisoners because it's in the middle of nowhere. To this day, like all of these, uh, what you call, the refugee boats that leave from like Libya and things like that, they try to stop at Malta because it's in the middle of, it's in the, middle of the, the Mediterranean. It's very hard to access and it's hard to access anything else from there. So if you're in the middle of the Mediterranean, you're going to sink. It's like the closest thing to you. They were not soft people. They were not sellouts. But at the same time, what did he used to write? He said, I, I, I shared this cell with my sheikh. He was an aged man at the time. And we were now the, the elite prisoners of the British Empire during its height. So what did he used to say? He said that the water that, that we had, the ration of water that we had, because my sheikh used to wake up and pray to Hajjud every day. He used to wake up and pray to Hajjud every day. He said that he was an old man and he was weak. He literally, after the British let him out of jail, he died a couple of months after that. He was an old man who was very weak. 
and the cold water I feared it would, it would, it would make him sick, it would harm him. So I would take the, 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 the container of water and hold it uh, while I slept so that my body heat would heat it up so that it would be warm for him when he had to make wudu. Now tell me something, are these people who are like, well, are you like part of the spiritual part of MSA or are you part of the, the, the activist part? They were not soft people, they were not sellouts. They were people who, of honor and of dignity, they kept it real. But they were people who had connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those people still exist today. You may not find them on Facebook and on Twitter. You may not find them at the mall. You may not find them at places where dunya comes together. Why? Because the dunya is not what attracts the Ahlullah. Because they're crazy. Right? Uh, Abu, uh, Shaykh Abu Bakr al-Shibli, he was one of the disciples of Imam Junaid. Baghdadi, ta'ala. Once a man, he saw him because these are people that are otherworldly people. They're not people of the dunya. He saw him walking in the in the in the in the marketplace, and he says to him, he says to him, "Look at you, you're crazy. Look at look at you. You people uh, are crazy. You uh, you know make dhikr all the time, and you're not you know uh, concerned with how fancy you look and how fancy you dress and keeping up with the Joneses and with all of these things. You're not concerned with these things." And so the Shaykh says to him, he says to him, he says what? He says, may Allah Ta'ala increase you in your sanity and may He increase me in my craziness. Meaning what? It's a very subtle thing people will not understand. He's annoyed with this guy. And so he's saying, whatever you have, Allah Ta'ala give you more of it as a curse. And whatever I have, may Allah Ta'ala give me more of it as what? As a dua for himself. What do you want? Fatuba lil ghuraba. What do you want? There are people in this country that many of them are Muslims and many of their forefathers were Muslims as well. I remember this. When I was in MSA, it was different. When I was like in college, it was different. Somehow this has changed. I remember there are people who, their forefathers were Muslims. And there are people who uh, uh, were brought to this country in, in, in chains, in bondage, uh, uh, with no haq whatsoever. And they were put generations, khalaf and salaf, through this bondage. And everything was taken away from them to the point where they don't even know the names of their forefathers. Why is, why is, why is, right, people, everybody, oh, Malcolm X, Malcolm X, this is our, like, you know, our claim to American heritage, so, like, you know, Malcolm X, right? Well, you know why his name was X? Was that, was that his father's name? No. Was that the name his father and mother gave him? No. Why is it that, that, that even his gravestone says Al-Hajj, Malik Shabazz, are those the names his father and mother gave him? No. Why? Because he didn't want to be called by his slave name. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't want to be. I don't hear people say this anymore. Maybe I'm like backwards mentality and not like you know like super down with the times and contextually relevant and all that stuff. But this is the logic that appeals to me. People didn't want to be called by their slave names. What's the problem of the sons and daughters of Muslims that want to give up the names that they have in order to take the slave name out of their own ikhtiyar? Those people they don't know what their forefathers' names were. It was stolen from them. It is a crime amongst a great number of other crimes for which a people will have to pay on the, the, day, day, the day of judgment. But what do you say about the person who knows what their name is? They gave it up on their own. Brothers and sisters, this is not something unprecedented. This is something that's also mentioned in the Quran as well. When Banu Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a rare satisfaction. It's a satisfaction probably none of us will see. Allah ta'ala gave Banu Israel in the time of Musa a rare satisfaction for which the Yahud the Banu Israel and the Yahud to this very day, they give shukr to Allah Ta'ala for it. Which is what? Allah Ta'ala took their enemies. Took the enemies of Allah and His Anbiya and took the enemies of the people that perpetrated so much zulm on them. 
And most people, in order to see God's vengeance, one of the names of Allah is Dayan. What does Dayan mean? Dayan is the one that takes vengeance for every wrong. Maliki Yom al-Din, Maliki Yom al-Din means what? Yom al-Din is not the day of religion. Yom al-Din is the day of justice. That's one of the meanings of Deen. Deen, right? You borrow $100, you have to pay back $100. Maliki Yom al-Din means what? The master of the day of justice. The owner, the owner on the day of justice, the, the master on the day of judgment, the king on the day of, judge, of justice. Allah Ta'ala, that day he will take vengeance for every wrong. Most people will have to wait. They'll have to wait until the Yom Al-Qiyamah, until they see that. That the people who are being idolized, you know, they die and their casket is being shown so much honor, even though we ourselves saw with our own eyes that these people were baby killers. That these people were the ones who dropped uh, depleted uranium shells on, on, on civilians. That these people are the ones that starved and deprived medicine from uh, uh, children and old people when they needed it, even though they had nothing to do with any of these wars and conflagrations that, that, that others participated on, regardless of which side they're on. We saw those things, we have to wait until Yom Al-Qiyamah for those people to receive justice. Banu Israel saw it right before their eyes. Every one of them, they're old, they're young, they're women, they're men, they're children, they're pious, impious, all of them stood on the shore of the sea and they saw the army of Fir'aun with Fir'aun on its head being drowned in front of their eyes. This is a satisfaction for which they give shukr to Allah Ta'ala to this day. And even we give shukr to Allah Ta'ala to this day. Right? The Yom Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, which was a day that they, the Arabs used to fast in Jahiliya as well. When Rasulullah found the uh, Yahud also fasted on that day. He asked them, why do you fast on this day? He said, this is the day Allah Ta'ala gives salvation to Banu Israel from their enemies. And in shukr we fast on this day. Rasulullah because of his ghayra, right? Ghayra is a word that doesn't translate into English properly. It takes another 15 minutes to translate it. And that may be why very few people uh, in the civilization have any. But the idea is what? Because of his ghayra for Sayyidina Musa Islam. What did he say? He said, we have more haq to Sayyidina Musa Islam. And then after that year, what did they do? They fasted two days instead. What? It's not sunnah to fast on two days instead of just one. Tell me, my brothers and sisters, that that satisfaction was uh, 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 was given uh, 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 to those people. You're not going to get it. Barakallahu fikum, mashallah. Barakallahu fikum. You're not going to get that, that, that satisfaction uh, until you get to the Yom Al-Qiyamah. You're not going to get that, that thing in this world, that, uh, 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 that, that satisfaction in this world. So why do you look for it? Why do you look for it in this world? It's like the person, if you lost your wallet in, uh, you know, if you lost your wallet in engineering, why would you look for it in the student center? So, well, because there's more light around here. You're not going to find it here. At any rate, Barakallahu Fikum, I'm going to uh, uh, take the, the, the heat of the sign that was given to me and make a long uh, story short. That this uh, strangeness that you have, there is a precedence for it in the nations that came before us, that Banu Israel had the satisfaction of seeing their enemies drowned in front of their eyes. They had the satisfaction of what? When they wandered in the desert, there was no Taco Bell to stop for a bean burrito. <laughs> right? There's no Ralph's to stop at and go grocery shopping. Allah Ta'ala literally fed them from the sky. Manna was salwa, Allah Ta'ala fed them manna and quail, and they're still asking afterward for dal. Right? Right? And Allah Ta'ala gave everything to them. And then afterward, what did they ask for? They said to Sayyidina Musa Islam, give us a god like they have gods. What did he say? Give, they saw people uh, praying to idols. And he said what? Give us a god like they have gods. Now tell me something, who's the majnoon? Who's the real majnoon? The person who, the person who makes the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala from whom we came 
and to whom we will return forever. The one who gave us who gave us everything that we had and everything that we'll ever have. The one who every good deed we, we do, Allah Ta'ala will give us 10 times the reward until until such a limit that, there, that, that, it, that it never ends. And the one who from Tawbah through the barakah of just feeling bad about your sins forgives our sins. Is the real crazy person, the one who remembers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the real weirdo, the real stranger, the one who remembers that Allah? No, if you have half a brain, if I have half a brain, we'll see this as a very logical and reasonable thing to do. Who's the, who's, the, who's the weirdo, who's the strange person? The one despite all of those things is going to ask, give us a God like they have gods. The one who's going to say, I want to live in a house like other people live in. The one who's going to say, I want to have money like those people had money. The one who's going to say, I want to have a car like those people had a car. What's the, what's the strange and what's the sad irony? It's the people who run after these things, they don't get them. The Sahaba anhu said that Zubair ibn Awam, you can look at the hadith in Sahih Bukhari, right? The mirath of one of his four wives is something like 200,000 gold dirhams. These were people who died on an extraordinary amount of wealth. Despite what? Despite not eating but once a day. Despite being people that they couldn't tell who's the Amir al-Mu'mineen and who's the average one amongst them. Allah Ta'ala gave them, opened up the khazana, the, the, the storehouses, the treasure houses of this world for them. And they spent every single cent of it in the service of deen, so that you and me and our forefathers and your forefathers can be people of la ilaha illallah. Now we've ch- chased after, why can't we have a God like they have? And we cry and we worry about like, oh, it's so difficult. I have to, you know, if I, you know, if I have a Muslim name and if I did this and that, they're not going to give me this job. They're not going to give me that house. I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get that. I know it hurts. It hurts. As a child, you know, you see a kid like being excluded. Other kids want to, don't want to play with it. It hurts. Now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's time to decide that you have your, only, you have your one life. It's time to decide which thing do you want, which thing do you do not want. And which type of strangeness is, is more appealing to you and which type of strangeness is more distressing to you. Is the strangeness of not fitting in with a bunch of people who themselves are petty and a bunch of people who themselves have no aim in this life. And a bunch of people who believe that they came from nothing and that they're going to go, go to nothing. Is fitting in with them or not fitting in with them, the strangeness of not fitting in with them, more distressing? Or is the strangeness of not having a point in your life and not having the divine name on your tongue and not having the nur of, 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 of Allah Ta'ala's guidance inside of your heart? Not knowing that when you breathe your last breath, which everyone is going to breathe, rich or poor, black or white, doesn't matter who, who you are, what you are, that when you leave your breath, last breath, that you have, you have some sort of itmitnan in your, in your heart, some sort of peace in your heart, that I'm returning to the Allah Ta'ala that I spent my life in His love. And the only thing that's greater than my love for Him is the love with which He's going to receive me with. That, that, is, that is, is the strangeness of not having that even more distressing to a person's heart. Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give all of us His remembrance on our tongue and inside of our hearts. If I said anything to uh, upset or disturb or offend somebody, I apologize. Uh, you know, oftentimes I don't, I'm not attuned to people's sensitivities. I didn't leave my home and, and my family and travel all this way in order to upset you. So inshallah, you can catch me and uh, just tell me whatever it is so that I can say sorry to you afterward. And if there's any khair in it, uh, uh, please ask Allah Ta'ala that he accept and that he uh, write for us a good destiny, a good faith. And, and MSA, mashallah, keep it real. Don't, don't do the weak sauce, inshallah. Keep it real. Barakallahu feekum. Takbir! Allah Ta'ala, Rasulullah Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala